Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. On this edition, Blake and Taylor discuss Manny Machado signing with the San Diego Padres, MMA news as Israel Adesanya and Kevin Gastelum have been booked for an interim title fight, Georgia St. Pierre retires once again from mixed martial arts competition, and Blake and Taylor preview their teams for the upcoming MLB 2019 season. Taylor with the Milwaukee Brewers, and Blake with the New York Yankees. Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 92, begins right now. Yeah. Microphone check. Look. Uh. All we do is go, go, go. Case you didn't know, no, no. Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, we on for show. With the host Black and Taylor. You already know they down for whatever. When it comes to sports, there ain't no jokes. Already know that they into, so you better come and tune in. Cause you know what this about. Gonna make you scream and shout with all the nasty news. This the dynasty, cause you don't know the breaking rules. Telling you what it do's. Giving you the insight and best believe they're doing it right. Every day and every night. Only question is, yo, is you ready to take flight? Greetings, greetings. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 92. How's it going, everybody? Your your host, Blake Plotsky, here hanging with you. Hope you guys are doing well. Almost to the weekend, once again, recording today on Thursday, February 21st, 2019. With me, as always, is my co-host, Taylor Johnson. How's it going, Taylor? Uh, it's going pretty good as I look outside. The sun is shining, but I know we got plenty of snow on the way. We got Can't snow wait. yesterday. We're getting snow on Saturday night. I believe it's Monday, Monday and Wednesday, if I remember the forecast right. It just, it I it won't stop. I give up, man. I give up. It's like um, I told. It's like I messaged you yesterday. I just you wave the white flag and nobody can see it due to all the snow. I give up. Yep, I I, I didn't I didn't get that reference. That took me a while. <laughs> it took, took you a minute. <laughs> oh, I tell yeah. you what, I just it'll be spring sometime. I don't yeah, know when, yeah. but it'll happen. Yeah, well, I don't first, know. I mean, if you look at Minnesota weather, first it's like false spring, and then it's like second winter, mm-hmm. and then it's real spring for like yep. a week and a half, and then it's summer. And a hundred degrees, and it, 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 it just, uh, it, it's where we grew up, man. Where we grew up, nothing we can do about it, unless if we just pack up and move, which would be easier for me than for you. Sorry, man. I don't really have anything holding me down I here except family. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I love my wife and family. I don't. I don't. Uh, no, I can't. I more or less meant taking with you. I didn't mean you oh, watch Jesus. yourself. <laughs> All right, moving on. Wow. All right, never mind. So, ah. Sorry. Uh, little little miscommunication there, everybody. All right, everybody. Let's get into it here. We are kind of crunched on time today. Let's get right into it. First up, Taylor, some MLB news. Manny Machado has finally signed. I mean, granted, I think we saw this one coming. Maybe some people didn't. It depends on if you've been paying attention to every single news bit coming down the wire. But Manny Machado has signed a 10-year, $300 million contract with the San Diego Padres. Taylor, does this one surprise you a little bit, or did you kind of expect it at this point? You know, it was me and a couple guys at work in the last couple of weeks – Wondering where he's going to go. I know there, I work with a Cubs fan. He was worried that Machado was going to end up in Chicago. Um, he is not a big fan of Machado's anymore after his actions in the NLCS. Um, 
but San Diego, I guess I, it kind of surprised me. I don't know. I know they got a young team. Um, I know this piece definitely helps. Um, so I was a little shocked by that. I didn't, but then again, honestly, Blake, I didn't, Oh, 100% know where he was going to go. Okay. I thought I thought your Yankees were definitely a good team um, to get them just because they like to overpay for players and whatnot. But, you know, if I may throw this yes. in there, the interesting thing is, is that the Yankees never made even a formal offer to Machado. Which I'm shocked by that, too. I think I'm more they, they shocked by that. They never made a formal offer to Machado. They haven't even talked to Harper where they, they talked to Machado like once or twice. They haven't even talked to Harper and there are writers that are saying that the fact that we're not even reaching out to big time free agents, that that's a problem. I don't know so much about that. Uh, I don't know because we've had a history of bad yeah. contracts and things like that. <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. Uh, <laughs> Carl Pavano. Yep. Uh, just uh, throwing that out there. Anyways, Manny Machado. Um, but no, like I, I honestly, I, I, I didn't know where he was going to go. I heard so many teams being thrown out there. I Philly, the White Sox for that. a second. White Sox were another one that it seemed like it was almost a foregone conclusion. Um, but Sandy, he'll, he'll really love the weather in San Diego. I oh, mean, for sure. Obviously, L.A. ain't bad, but I don't find me a bad day in San Diego, and I'll call you a liar pretty much. <laughs> right. Um, but no, like, it, it's – I guess we'll just see how this one pans out. But I, don't, I, I was very – curious about the contract itself because it was a lot of money for a lot of years you know i mean and let's be real here for a second manny machado is not lasting 10 years in san diego he's he's just not so he's not going to see all that money he's not going to last 10 years but manny machado is a good get granted i took a look at their depth chart as it stands right now you know before spring training before opening day I don't mind their batting order so much. It's got a lot of unproven pieces, but a lot of guys that have been touted in their farm system beforehand. Like they have uh, their catcher was highly touted. Uh, their shortstop is highly touted. Uh, Urias is their shortstop. Their catcher, I can't think of his name right now. I'm not sure if Machado's going to play uh, shortstop or third base. Not sure. Uh, they have Kinsler at second. They've got Eric Hosmer at first. Their outfield is decent. Will Myers has been kind of up and down in his career. Uh, Hunter Refino is uh, kind of, you know, your average power hitter, I guess, that bats uh, 240. And their center fielder, uh, can't think of his name right now. He's only played one year in the bigs, so he's got a lot of room to grow. Their bats aren't the problem that I see. I don't trust their pitching so much. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? You know, I agree. And I think that's a problem area in a lot of different teams. So what you look at is like, you want to reel in the big fish or do you want to kind of, you know, get some other smaller fish to kind of shore up your problem at, at pitching. So, I mean, that's, that's another thing. I'm a little, just a little, I, I'm, scratching my head a little bit uh you know just as to why I, I don't know if they just made this move to make a move or if maybe Machado really wanted to play in San Diego I don't know but no the the pitching is another thing that's suspect and it that's no secret we all knew it last year year before um and it showed and you know it's one of those teams that you think that would address that problem but instead go out and get this big free agent. So they, I, I they, don't, focused, they focused everything in the money truck on Manny Machado. Yeah. And yeah, and they didn't even take a, a passing glance at their pitching, which you know what that, really surprised me. That's why I brought yep. it up. You know what that reminds me of? Your Milwaukee or, Brewers? No. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> Sorry. Least, I thought that's where you were geez, going. At least we made it to the NLCS. No, that it, re, it reminds me of one of my other teams, the Minnesota Vikings. Ah. Let's throw all this guaranteed money at one player. Mm, Offensive yes, lineman. Yes. Huh. So it's kind of similar in that sense. So, I mean, it's, I don't, like I said, we'll have to see it play out. But honestly, I don't think it's going to play out very well if you are a San Diego Padres fan. 
like I said, I like their batting order. I, I mean, again, it could be a lot worse, but their pitching is suspect at first glance. Granted, Manny Machado did tie his career high in home runs, uh, triples, walks. Uh, I believe he was close to his career high in RBIs. He was only about three off, give or take, uh, and was better than his career averages in average slugging percentage and OPS. So take that for what you will. Manny Machado is a top talent in this league, no matter what team he goes to. And the San Diego Padres just got a lot better from just one acquisition. I will say that. All right, everybody, on to some MMA news here for you. Uh, I will do the short story first because I have a little bit to say about the second story. Uh, uh, Kelvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya has been booked for UFC 236. Uh, Gastelum was supposed to fight Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker pulled out the day of due to a sports hernia. Some people, you know, trashed Whitaker for that. But I've actually had a sports hernia and had a surgery on it in my teenage years. Uh, if Robert Whitaker would have fought, that could have been fatal. So let's not, you know, dog the guy for, oh, you didn't compete through a, through a little hernia. He could have died. So let's just leave him alone. Though Gastelum, UFC is not waiting around. Gastelum will fight Israel Adesanya. My guy, the guy I've been hyping up for years now for the interim middleweight title at UFC 236. Taylor, it's my opinion that I think Adesanya is ready now. But I, I wanted him to get maybe one or two more fights in before taking the leap to the middleweight title. I have long said that Israel Adesanya, one day in his career, will be middleweight champion. When it happens, I don't know, but he will hold the UFC middleweight gold. I just, I think he should have had one more, two, one or two more bouts, but hey, I guess Adesanya is ready. He signed off on the dotted line. He thinks he's ready. Who am I to say? I'm not in Israel Adesanya's camp. I'm just a huge fan. I'm just a big backer of his. That's what I wanted to see. And here's to hoping that fight will be a barn burner as both fighters have some heavy tools in their arsenal. <clears throat> uh, sorry about that, everybody. Up next, second MMA story. George St. Pierre is walking away one more time. Today on one more time on February 21st, 2019, Georges St. Pierre retires once more. Now, his first retirement, some may call it a hiatus. It, you know, just depends on how you look at it. He's always said he retired. It's always been called a retirement. But again, it just depends on how you read into his wording. This time, he says he's done. He did want one more fight. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, called out George St. Pierre, or didn't call him out. Sorry, that's the wrong wording. He said, I want to fight you. Uh, this should be your next fight. George St. Pierre, <clears throat> excuse me, wanted the fight, but he said it's not up to us, which kind of is taking a shot at UFC and the matchmakers and Dana White. George St. Pierre has had problems with Dana White before. The reason why George St. Pierre walked away before was, well, uh, due to the drug testing. Before UFC brought in USADA and had the universal drug testing, GSP wanted it. <clears throat> oh, excuse me a second, everybody. Oh, that's a cotton mouth, son. Oh, sorry about that. GSP wanted the universal drug testing just like Ben Askren did back in the day. And that's why Ben Askren and Dana White, you know, got into that whole beef because UFC hadn't done it yet. GSP was worried about steroid use and things like that. He came back due to the drug testing being the way that he wanted it. Fought one time against Michael Bisping, won the middleweight title, uh, developed uh, ulcerative colitis. 
uh, vacated the title because he wasn't able to get medically cleared, wasn't able to fight. Uh, and so, and here we are. He's retiring one more time uh, with a career record of 26-2 and two, with eight KOs, six submissions, 12 decisions, currently on a 13-fight win streak. Granted, uh, the uh, there being a giant gap between 2013 and 2017, but who's counting? It still counts. A two-time welterweight champion, a one-time middleweight champion, and he did say in December that he was fully healed from his ulcerative colitis on December 2018. Taylor, some may say Anderson Silva is the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. Some may dock Anderson Silva for his uh, past PED uh, uh, suspensions from USADA. Some may say that doesn't matter. His, uh, his title reign was the longest in UFC history. I'm to the point now where I still love Anderson Silva, but he knowingly took performance-enhancing drugs. He got suspended by USADA. He cannot be the greatest mixed martial artist when he doesn't do it cleanly or the right way. Do you agree or disagree? That's, uh, that's a tough one for me to say. Because I look at, I guess in the sport of mixed martial arts, it's a little bit different than, say, the guys in baseball that were doing it. Because everybody was doing it, and there was no testing, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, Until it's really... Like 2006 yeah, and all that. Yeah, exactly. But, so, I mean, it's it's tough because I know then nobody was testing for it. But in mixed martial arts, you know it is. It's... For a guy that doesn't follow the sport very often, I, I make no you know qualms about that. That's no secret. You know these two guys, Anderson Silva, GSP, are two names, two of just a what three four names that I have heard throughout the past decade, decade and a half, what it, what what it may be, just because of it's not so much of friends that I had and this and that that talked. These were like marquee names that kind of transcended the sport. Like yep. you always heard about these names, and these—I mean—so it's it's tough for me to say, especially for someone that doesn't follow it. Um, I, I I can see your point of view when it comes to Silva, but I can also see other people's the other side, the other side of the coin too. So that 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 is tough for me. Um, to really pick a side on that one. But, you know, to go back on these two guys, and especially GSP, that's, I mean, he, he's fought for, what, 17 years minus the hi- hiatus, whatever. I want to say that I think he that's started what I saw. in 02, I want to say. So 16, 17 I, I, years, I whatever. Okay, so very long time. Yes. Um, And that's a name, like, I had very few friends when I was in high school. I graduated in 03. I know, dating myself, whatever. Do the math, <laughs> kids. Um, very Senior few reunion friends. this year for me, man. So I'm uh, right there with my- you, dating myself. I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus right with you, man. Good. Well, wait till you get my age. Anyways, um, but no, like very few people that I knew that watched the sport then, but it wasn't too long after that where everybody I knew watched it except for myself. And even back then, uh, St. Pierre was a name that I heard all the time. I heard guys, I'd go to the bar and kind of watch the fights, but not really. And guys that were into it were talking about him all the time. I mean, this guy had one hell of a career. Um, And for somebody that never really followed the sport, um, to know this name and to know, oh, I know who that is. Or you say GSP, yeah, I know who that is. I mean, I... Obviously did something right in his long career. Um, for me, the wrestling kid, to know such a decorated mixed martial artist as himself. You know, and and for me, because I grew up watching mixed martial arts, it, it's how my father and I, how we uh, bonded back in the day when I was 14, for crying out loud. When we started watching The Ultimate Fighter on Spike TV, when, you know, when basically no one was watching mixed martial arts. And I put 
GSP as number one mixed martial artist all time just because of that. Because I'm an MMA purist. I <clears throat> Excuse me, everybody. Sorry. Uh, can't clear my throat for some reason. Sorry about that, everybody. Once again. All right. Anderson Silva. Because, because of my being an MMA purist and watching Anderson Silva just tear through guys for eight straight years and then him getting popped for PEDs, it made me sad. Because Anderson Silva has always had the skill set. He's never needed any of it. You, you know what I mean, Taylor? He's an athlete that never needed it. Yeah, I, 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 I can hear that. I, I understand that, too. And so, um, and so that's why GSP to me is number one all time. And GSP actually said today in his press conference, he did say that fighting was a means to an end. He's never really enjoyed fighting. What he's always enjoyed is the competition, not so much the fighting, but the competition aspect of it. He's always enjoyed training and even when he was on his hiatus from 2013 to 2017, he trained every day because he knew, he goes, I'm going to come back. I just don't know when. So he always stayed at the top of his game. He always was saying, I'm going to be ready no matter what. And then when my mind is ready, I'll, my body will physically be ready for whenever my mind is ready to get back to it. But he's never really enjoyed fighting. He enjoys the competition aspect. And he just goes, at this point in my career, he just goes, uh, the UFC likes to, you know, when they have somebody like me, a marquee name or a title holder, which GSP would have been middleweight champion, you know, without the ulcerative colitis, you know, they want him there for four or five fight deal where he goes, GSP goes, at this point in my career, I need to go one fight at a time. Because I'm 37, I just don't know. After a fight's over, I, my body, I just, I don't know. I might know in two to three weeks, but I'm not 23 anymore. I just, I can't, I can't just say, oh, two months later, okay, I'm ready to go. I need to think about it. I need to rest. I need to this, I need to that. And he said, it's just not what UFC wants. So he said, I just, I, there's nothing for me to do. He just, you know, he can't do it. And like I mentioned, Khabib Nurmagomedov, who wanted GSP to fight him in November when uh, Nurmagomedov is back from his suspension and uh, Ramadan is over. Uh, Ramadan is a Muslim holiday in the summer. That's the reason why Khabib's never fought in summer because he's an, he's an avowed Muslim. Just uh, for those of you who did not know that, he wanted GSP to fight, but the UFC doesn't want to give GSP another title shot when, you know, he might not, you know, fight again because he needs to go one fight at a time. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And I can, I think he understands too that the business of it, and maybe you can even call it the politics of it too. Oh, he totally but, understands. Yeah. He knows. But you got to, I mean, people need to understand too. This is a business. There's like any other sports. This is a business. And Dana white is in the business of making money and as much money as he possibly can line his pockets with. So it's tough. I mean, obviously the fans want to see him fight, but you got to realize you want somebody to fight. You want, okay, that one fight, but you need to know, okay, However many months down the road, you're going to be able to fight again. And at his age, who knows? It might take him 18 months. He doesn't know. Maybe never again. Who knows? So to make an investment like that, I mean, risk-reward re kind of thing. And you and UFC doesn't want a Brett Favre situation. No, no. And God, can you blame him for that? Absolutely not. No, exactly. And GSP, you know? and in the press conference, GSP wasn't placing blame either. He goes, no. I, he goes, I get it. He just no. goes, but at, at this point at my age, he goes, it's where I'm at. It just, you know, and so we're at an impasse. I wanted to fight Khabib. 
And that would be a huge money fight, man. Are you kidding me? For for GSP to drop down to welterweight, for Khabib to go up to 170, which I think Khabib could make that weight because he's a big lightweight. If you look at him, he's a big lightweight for, for that matter. So that would have been a huge fight. But UFC, the, the, the powers that be, just won't give him the fight. So GSP said, you know, I okay, fine, I'm done then because there's nothing else for me to do, basically. Well, at least he knows, I guess, he can go out on his own terms. And, I mean, yeah, it would have been cool to see that, you know, that one fight. But does that one fight lead to maybe another one or maybe another one or maybe you waffle and maybe not? Right. Like you said, it's a it's a Brett Favre effect. At, at his age, I still think Khabib rolls GSP. And, sorry, rolls isn't the right term that's being dis- disrespectful. I think Nurnagamadov wins that fight no matter what. But it would be a competitive fight, more competitive than Connor was. But oh, that's, but that's a whole other thing. Shots tangle. fired. Shots fired. And with that, that wasn't said, me, Connor. I like you. Yeah, Connor knows how I feel. So no, no apologies. Uh, yeah, that's right. I said it ain't nobody scared. All right. With that said, perfect segue into our final segment for this week. Again, probably a shorter show than we're used to, kind of crunch for time. Uh, next week, we will be doing our NFL offseason talk that we've been hyping up for about three weeks yet. It just it just hasn't been the right timing, everybody. It is coming. We still have all of our notes. It is coming next week, I promise. All right, Taylor. Baseball is getting into full swing. Teams have reported to camp. Spring training games start this weekend. I'm going to let you go first. What do you like from your, your Milwaukee Brewers? What do you not like? What do you expect? Talk about anything you want under the sun with your Milwaukee Brewers. Go right ahead. Oh, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, you're coming off a uh, season last year where we we you know a lot of us expected good things, but I think the 2018 Milwaukee Brewers far and away exceeded expectations, making it to Game 7 in the NLCS, falling one game short of making it to the World Series. I don't think I, – I, I think they would have been ran over by the Red Sox, to be honest with you. There was nobody stopping that team. But – I think man, we any gotta, team gets run yeah. over by yeah. – I mean, I – so maybe it might have worked out for the best. We wouldn't have gotten embarrassed in the World Series. But anyways, I mean – Picking up, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, why would you pick up Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Christian Yelich won the MVP. Um, everybody's expecting big things out of him. I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. Um, I think Milwaukee is a great fit for him. I think Miller Park um, is a great fit as well for him. Um, but before I get into position players and everything, I want to talk about pitching. Um, wasn't bad last year. Uh, playoffs were definitely something I've never seen before in the bullpen starts that Craig Council did or bringing in a pitcher for what one batter and then that was it pulling them um, very odd very weird um, a lot of the old timers that watch baseball were very against it um, isn't it just uh, just if I may interrupt yeah. for a second is there not a new rule this year that's that that uh, that works against putting a batter in for I one out or, or, or am I misremembering? I forgot to check on it. I know they were talking about that in the winter meetings. Okay. I'm not crazy if, then. Okay. It's something like if, uh, what the hell was it? A pitcher has to face at least one. I don't know what it was. It, anyways, it was pretty much preventing the brewers doing from what they did. Right. That's uh, why I brought it up. Yeah. I have to check into that, that I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that is something that slipped my mind. So I am writing this down, Blake, just to let you know, I'm putting this in my little app that you told me about. <laughs> so I'm going to check on this later. Color um, note for color note app for Android. Everybody download it. Um, it's, uh, Mine's a little different because I'm an iPhone user, but oh, that's, that's right. Hard. I forgot about that. Um, I forgot. <clears throat> not to toot my own horn. I have an iPhone, no. But uh, anyways, um, do I still want one more starting pitcher in this rotation? Absolutely. Um, 
but from what we have right now, um, it's not bad. They got rid of Wade or they let Wade Miley walk. Um, they, who I really liked last year, um, very integral part of the playoff run. Um, they let him walk. He signed with Arizona for cheap. So it leads me to believe that Milwaukee, I don't think was ever really interested in him. Sad, but you know what? It is what it is. We have to move on. So, um, you know, the likes of right-hander Chase Anderson, Corbin Burns, a very young pitcher that did very well for him last year. Um, I'm, I'm expecting some very big things out of him. Um, you know, he can't write off Chassin. He did pretty good last year. Um, Junior Gare, I'm hoping he can bounce back. Had some good outings last year, but also had some very forgettable um, or outings that he would like to forget anyways. Um, Jimmy Nelson coming off that uh, injury. I remember last year previewing the Brewers. Uh, I was around this time saying, well, Jimmy Nelson might not come back until September. Yep. You thought I was crazy. I even second-guessed myself coming off of Tommy John surgery. Ended up he didn't play at all last year. I mean, uh, I mean, if we really look at it, calling calling it what it is, Jimmy Nelson's supposed to be the ace of the staff. Yep, exactly. And now, I mean, I know he did, or somebody did say he might have been available in the postseason, but I think at that time they didn't want to risk it. Um, right. I ha- Which is probably the smart yep. move. Everything I have seen about him and what he said and what trainers and everything else has said is he is 100% ready to go. There is going to be absolutely no limitations once the regular season starts. So that's huge, amazing, great news. Um, Then you're looking at Brandon Woodruff also um, hit a big home run in the playoffs last year, which kind of jump-started it. One guy I'm a little concerned about is Jeremy Jeffress, our closer. kind of faltered in the NLCS kind of, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, I don't, something wasn't right. Something seemed off, not quite sure. Um, But the one guy that I think a lot of people are excited to see um, and really, if we can get started, the starting pitchers to go six innings, you're going to see Josh Hader a lot this year. Duke can throw a hundred miles an hour, has a weird release point as a lefty. Um, can say Dude's that gonna, again. Like the way he pitched in the playoffs was unreal. Yep. Uh, so I'm extremely excited. Really got to get the starting pitchers to though to go at least six innings, if not more. Too many times they go four innings, and that's there. We cannot let our bullpen run out of gas this year. Um, going to the position players, uh, we got Mike Mustakis back. Uh, he re-signed with the Brewers after testing free agency. Very interesting about him, third baseman. However, they are trying him out at second base. Um, really? Hmm. Which would put Travis Shaw back at third base. Does uh, Does Mustakis have the lateral ability to play second, do you uh, think? That is one thing I questioned, and that is one thing I, we I are going to... Granted, granted, I am kind of... Guy, I mean, well, right. not, I, and I'm not, I'm not dogging the guy. And obviously, third base is the hot corner. It just, you uh, know, that that's just an interesting place yep. to put him. I think. And uh, Mustakis is okay with it. He has oh, no all problem. Right, then. With it. And so we'll see how that goes. It, you know, it, it could be good. It could be really bad. But who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Orlando Arcia, shortstop, one of the better defensive shortstops in the major leagues. His hitting came on fire. He was good last year. Tail end of the season in playoffs, he really stepped up his game. So I'm hoping he was in a big funk at the plate, um, spent some time in the minors, um, and that definitely helped him. Speaking of which, um, one guy I forgot to talk about pitchers was Corey Knabel, another guy. Started off rocky, went to the minors, came back, and just lights out fire. Lights out on fire. Um, so I wanted to touch on that, and I forgot. But um, Aguilar, big bad Aguilar at first base. Um, he was honestly, he was the first half MVP. Don't tell me otherwise. And kind of. No, no, no argument here. That guy has huge pop in his bat. He kind of flamed out after the all star break, but Christian Yelich more than picked up his production and off of that. Some. <laughs> um, I would like to see them get rid of Eric Thames. Cause I honestly, I, I there's just, 
maybe some depth depth in the outfield at first base, whatever. But Duke can't hit anymore. I don't know. He'll. St- I'll tell you what. If he's on this on this roster and he plays some games, he's going to light the world on fire in mar- late March, April, and maybe even into May. After that, um, he will flame out. He's done it two years in a row. So. Then you go to the outfield. You got the old man, Ryan Braun, who this offseason worked with a new hitting coach um, at his old age of, what is he going to be? He will be 36 in November. Um, He's trying some new things at the plate. And and I've heard that this is the first time he's changed some mechanics to his swing. And I think that's going to help out because he had... He's been dealing with thumb issues throughout the year. Um, and I think the way he changes his approach and everything is going to kind of help just everything from head, shoulders, knees, and toes and everything. So that would be huge. He knows he's not going to play every day. We don't need him to play every day. Need him to help. I mean, he came on towards the end of the season as well when they were making that run to win the division. So we definitely need him more so September than we do in April. So I'm okay with that. Lorenzo if, Kane. If I, if I, if I remember right and myself included, uh, you are not a Ryan Braun fan and that is putting it kindly. Um, you know what? He kind of changed my tune in the postseason, So we'll okay. see. What- all right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> like I waffle back and forth on these players. They piss me off one day and I'm their biggest fan the next. Hey I'm man, the, that that's I'm sports first. for you. I'm not. I'm not mad at you. Uh, no, and then Lorenzo Kane, um, v- how he didn't win a Gold Glove is beyond me. I'm kind of pissed off about that too, but it is what it is. Um, and then Christian Yelich. What more can I say about him? MVP, um, really faltered in the postseason, especially the NLCS. But um, I don't see him slowing down. Looking at this projected lineup, um, one through nine. I would, and I'm not trying to be biased or anything, but I would be hard-pressed to find a better batting order, better lineup than what the Brewers are going to put out each and every day. All right, everybody. Uh, Taylor had to duck out early, had some family stuff he had to take care of. Worry not. Your host, Blake Plotsky, still here with you. I will finish us out. Last topic of the day. Everyone's most hated team, the evil empire, the New York Yankees. I know that Taylor probably has nothing kind to say about the Yankees, at least not to this point. He probably doesn't want to talk about them, so that's okay. Uh, It's just you and me here. We will finish up, and uh, we will get you on your way. All right, everybody, the New York Yankees. Let me pull up my notes here. Where I got a ton of documents here. I can't find. Oh, there it is. All right, here we go. Pull it up. New York Yankees. All right. Let's start with the starting pitching, shall we? First up, the Yankees ace, Luis Severino. There are some people that have come around to say that Chevy is good. Or Sevy. Sorry, that Sevy is good. Chevy, that, that's a car brand, everybody. That's an American car brand. Anyways, when will people accept that Sevy is good? Uh, 13th in strikeouts. Uh, This is uh, all the majors, by the way, for now. 13th in strikeouts, 21st in ERA. He's a fireball thrower. And last year, believe it or not, he was actually called the hardest-throwing starting pitcher by MLB writers on MLB.com. Can you believe that? Those guys, I mean, you would hope are impartial. So there's no bias there, hopefully. So... I, you, I mean, would anybody like to disagree with that? That he's the hardest starting uh, starting pitcher for a uh, th- uh, uh, baseball thrower? Uh, if you want to disagree with that, please let me know. Uh, last year that was. And honestly, I can't disagree. He doesn't give up uh, too many home runs. He was tied for 16th last year when he gave up 19. Severino doesn't give up a lot of walks. He's, a, he's got good control. As I said, he's just an absolute flamethrower. He's an ace that anybody would be lucky to have. The New York Yankees thankfully signed him to a new four-year deal. He is with the Yankees for the long-term foreseeable future. Up next, I wasn't sure who's going to start uh, number two, uh, whether it be Masahiro Tanaka or James Paxton. I'm going to go with the depth chart that I found. 
So I'm going to go with number two is going to be James Paxton. James Paxton is a true number two. Uh, 31st in ERA, again, for pitchers, this is the entire majors, not just uh, a position like, say, second baseman, center fielder, etc. This is all pitchers. So 31st in ERA, 14th in strikeouts, 13th in whip. He's been increasing his innings every year, and hopefully this year uh, will be no different. Uh, as he ups his innings, he's dropped his batting average against him. So, you know, how many times a batter gets a hit, you know, say just throw out a number because I forgot to write it down for last year. Say it's .221, let's say. Uh, for every year, uh, every year he's been in the league, uh, sorry, in the majors, he's been dropping that down. So whatever it was last year has been his career low to this point. You know what? That's a great thing to see especially when he's coming to New York. Hopefully, I know that Taylor and I, or I, or myself, I shouldn't throw Taylor under the bus. We, uh, <laughs> I took some shots at Carl Pavano. I apologize if you're a Carl Pavano fan. It just, if you remember his tenure with the Yankees, it just, it was what it was. So I hope that James Paxton will be able to embrace New York, be okay in the New York media. I'm sure you won't have a problem, and we won't have a Carl Pavano situation on our hands. But you can't really have a better number two starter than James Paxton, wouldn't you say? All right, number three, Masahiro Tanaka. Let's see here. Uh, number three, I honestly think that uh, third, third starter is best for him. Uh, not as much press pressure as being the ace, like when he came in and when the Yankees acquired him from Japan. Uh, honestly, but again, he's still pitching in the Big Apple. So, I mean, so the pressure's still there. But it's not as much as saying you're going out there on opening day and everybody expects you to get a win. Obviously, a fan probably expects your team to win every night, especially being a New York Yankee fan and us being used to you know, having 27 world championships, you know, close to maybe winning 100 games, if not more than 100 games. There's a lot of pressure coming and pitching in the Big Apple. Hope that his hamstring issues are behind him so he can get back to pitching 30 games a year. He did not hit uh, for games started. He did not hit 30 games last year. Had uh, some hamstring issues that hampered him all year long. One issue with Masahiro Tanaka is the home runs that he gives up. He gives up, uh, by count, of every year that he's been in the majors, he gives up 20-plus a year. Maybe it's a mental thing for, for me. Maybe when I see him give up home runs, especially last year, maybe it seemed like more than it was. Is that uh, how it feels to anybody else? Does it seem like he gave up more home runs than the next guy? It just seemed like he gave up quite a few more home runs than, say, your average everyday starting pitcher. Again, going back to Severino, he gave up 19 last year. So, and I, I think uh, Tanaka's number was 27, which, again, eight more. So that's technically quite a bit when you don't want to give up home runs. Uh, DeGrom of the New York Mets, he gave up the least amount of home runs last year with 10. So for, you know, a barometer of saying there's the difference of DeGrom leading the league for least home runs with 10 and Tanaka having 25 to 27. I forgot to grab that number. I apologize. It just seems like Tanaka gives up quite a few. So hopefully Tanaka will be fully healthy. He'll uh, minimize his home runs given up and it will be all good. And he'll be able to get maybe a couple more wins and help the team out in that, in that way. Number four, CC Sabathia. Uh, CeCe Sabathia on last Saturday announced that he will be retiring after this year. So, uh, sorry, I bumped my mic there, everybody. I apologize. One more year and CeCe rides off into the sun sunset. Excuse me. Even in his advanced age, he's good for five-ish innings a start. And has just about as many innings as Tanaka does, total-wise. You know, at once the season is over... You look up total innings pitch total-wise. He actually has just about as many as Tanaka does. So when it seems like CC doesn't pitch that many innings, he actually does if you look at the raw numbers. He's not getting hurt either. 
and he started 27 games in his last four years, believe it or not. Since 2015, he's also dropped his ERA every year as well. So while some may want CC to go away, or maybe just getting sick of him or whatnot, there are some silver linings to CC going out there every fourth day and pitching five or so innings. Last in the starting rotation, J.A. Happ. Can you get a better starter at number five than Happ? Help me think of someone else, everybody. Even at 36, he started 31 games and had 193 strikeouts last year. So if he can keep that up, say, you know, just throwing it out there on average, say that he gets hurt, just again, I knock on wood here, everybody, so you can hear it. Just so, you know, hope, hopefully that helps and he doesn't get hurt. Say he starts 27, 28 games, give or take, you know, a few less, and has at least 180 strikeouts, give or take. So as long as he keeps those numbers up there, though, that is a good thing. That's all we want to see as Yankee fans from our number five starter, J.A. Happ, who re-signed with the Yankees this offseason. On to the relievers. All right, everybody, relievers. Dylan Batances, probably the best reliever on the team. Uh, some people may kind of raise an eyebrow at that statement, but he probably is. Let me explain. Octavino hasn't pitched for the Yankees yet. While he may be frustrating at times, he has the stuff to get himself out of a jam. I've seen it live. Me being a Minnesotan, a transplant Yankee fan, I know. I try and go to a Yankee uh, Twins game every year, at least one or two games every year. I've seen Dick Dylan Batances uh, live and in person, and it's been frustrating at times, but he can get himself out of a jam if needed. He's a real power thrower. In every season, over, when he's pitched over 60 innings, he has struck out over 100 batters. Now think about that. Dylan Batances is, uh, you know, good for maybe one, one and a half innings a game at best. And sometimes he's asked to pitch a little bit more. But again, on average. So he pitches 60 innings last year. Or, or sorry, when he pitches 60 innings or more, he has thrown out or struck out, excuse me, 100 batters. That is an insane number. Batances is a great man to have in the uh, in the bullpen, that is, even as frustrating as he may be at times. Zach Britton. Zach Britton is an interesting case. He's a fine reliever, but he's far from being the shutdown save machine that he once was. And I guess he's not really asked to do that in New York. He's just asked to go out there, get a couple of outs eventually, you know, occasionally here and there, and just hope that he doesn't muck it up. It's just interesting to see him not be that stellar shutdown guy that he once was, even though he's not asked to be. It's just, it's, it's interesting to watch him. I hope that he uh, continues on and hopefully gets better at uh, his 31-year-old age. And uh, all I can do is cross my fingers, everybody. Chad Green. Chad Green is a take-your-lunch-pail-to-work guy. And let me explain. He's the guy that the Yankees trust to eat up some innings if in a tough spot. Say... One of the starters gets knocked out, let's say, you know, gets uh, hit around early, gives up a couple of runs and gets out of there. And you need a long reliever to come in and eat up some innings from the bullpen. Chad Green is that guy, everybody. And Chad Green knows what's expected of him and he does his job. He's a good guy to have. Jonathan Holder. He's improved every year of his career. But to me, he still has some stuff to prove. That's to me, everybody. I don't know about you. I have confidence in him, though, and he'll get his opportunity to earn the spot as spring training goes. So uh, pro Jonathan Holder will probably earn his spot. Uh, just, you know, it's about watching him, watching games, you know, what has he got, and hopefully he can just improve on his stats from the years prior. Adam Octavino. Uh, Octavino struck out 112 batters, which is ranked fourth among all MLB relievers. That is correct. You heard me right. Every single reliever in a team's bullpen in the entire MLB, Octavino is ranked fourth in pitcher strikeouts and held opposing batters to an average of 158. 
in 77 and two-thirds innings. He's probably going to be the setup man to Aroldis Chapman. I really like what Adam Octavino brings to the table in his three-year deal, whether he's 33 or not. Last for the relievers, Aroldis Chapman. His arm is still intact at 30, and he's one of the hardest throwers I can remember. After a so-so first season uh, a couple years ago with the New York Yankees, he seemed to bounce back to his normal self. With uh, 93 strikeouts and a 1-6, or 1-3-6 average, excuse me, which is the second best of his career, it seems that Chapman is to back to being Chapman versus the first year a couple years ago when he was pretty frustrating, if I may so myself, say so myself, excuse me, and I know that some Yankee fans, if not a lot of Yankee fans, would agree with me. All right, to the batting order we go. Catcher Gary Sanchez. After playing 89 games, down from his breakout year uh, when he uh, played, uh, can't read my notes here, 122 games, he had off-season surgery. Sanchez has been frustrating last year, but I want to give him a pass knowing that he was hurt. I mean, is that fair, everybody? I think that's fair. Yes, Sanchez may have not been who he was in his breakout season, you know, kind of like Aaron Judge, who I'll get to. But, I mean, he was injured, so we got to give him a little bit of a leash, right? So, but, San but in the end, Sanchez needs to be Sanchez. That's a given. He's always had his power despite his plate struggles. He had 18 home runs last year, uh, good for seventh among all catchers. I still believe fully healthy. He can hit for average as well. He's shown as much, has he not? That's what I think. One issue still remains is Sanchez's defense behind the plate, which is frustrating. At this point in his career, though, I think Sanchez behind the plate just is what it is. I don't think he's going to get any better. I mean, can't really get any worse either. But the thing is, you can't really take his bat out of the lineup. His bat is just too good. Would you guys agree? Uh, first base, Luke Voigt. Enter Voigt and Greg Bird's bat. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed at my own joke here. Sorry, let me start that over. Enter, enter Voigt, and Greg Bird's path to playing time becomes cloudy. Sorry, that was a little bit funnier in my head when, before I started saying it out loud, everybody. Will Voigt start unless Bird is healthy, which is a big if. If anybody watches Greg Bird, follows his, follows his career, as Yankee fans do. It's a big if if there ever was one. He came onto the scene and lit fireworks showing huge power with contact for his short time on the team, so hoping he can keep that up. If he does, it keeps the fire under Bird's feet red hot, and Greg Bird will have very little room to make mistakes if he wants his first baseman job back. Second baseman, DJ LeMayhew. Long been one of my favorite players, is a man of consistency, Mr. DJ LeMayhew. He can hit for average and doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, sixth among, uh, among, excuse me, sixth among second baseman in strikeouts uh, with at least 475 plate appearances, seventh in batting average, and 11th in RBIs. Defense is nothing to shy away with DJ LeMahieu. The guy is locked down at a second as, as a second baseman. In his career, he's got two All-Star appearances, three Gold Gloves, and this is a uh, to the to his batting. I had all the notes kind of jumbled up, jumbled up here. Two thousand the 2016 NL batting champion as well. He is solid, and that's putting it kindly as a defensive player. I love the fact that we that we uh, signed him. I was hoping that we would, and boy. Do we have some cover for second base to allow Torres to shift over to shortstop, which he will while D.D. Gregorius uh, 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 rehabs from his Tommy John surgery? And on to shortstop, D.D. Uh, Gregorius. He's hurt. Viamber Torres, everybody. He's one of the up-and-coming great youngsters. 
if he hasn't already arrived, that is. Finishing third in Rookie of the Year voting, the sky is the limit. A hitter of contact, top 10 in getting on base as a second baseman, with pop in his bat. No slouch defensively either, who can play anywhere across the left side of the diamond, from second base to shortstop to third base, and hey, maybe he can play some of second or uh, first base as well. Who knows? The guy is, I mean, the guy is a utility man if there ever was one, making him more valuable to any team that would have him. But he's on the New York Yankees. Thank God for that, right? One thing I would like to see is more doubles or just in general, more extra base hits rather. He does. He has a good on base percentage, but a lot of those are singles or home runs. I want to see him get a little bit more in the extra base hit column. Third baseman, Miguel Andujar. A man I've been hyping up for what seems like ages, everybody. I know you guys have been listening to me for a couple years now talk about Miguel Andujar. And Andujar repaid that faith in spades last year, finishing second in Rookie of the Year voting in the AL, uh, in the AL side, hitting second in batting average for the third baseman. When I was told time and again he couldn't hit for average while having power while still hitting fifth in home runs with 27, showing his true value at the plate in his slugging percentage, which ended up being fourth with a .527. All I can say is now that I told you so. Again, as I, sa- as I stated, all of these from now on here for position players, oh, when I say total in 27 total with a fifth among home runs, that's for third baseman. So every position player is among, you know, third base, left field, center field, right field, as I continue on here, just so that's clear. One thing that is still a question is in Duhar's defense. A question mark throughout his whole career, having uh, 93 putouts in a fielding percentage of uh, .948, it could be worse, honestly. I think he's getting better. He needs to cut down on the errors, too, as he had 15 last year. Still only good for 14th among errors for third baseman. So, again, for the third baseman that are playing every day, as Andujar did, he was still in the top half of the league. So I'll take that for the good. He needs to get better, but it seems to me that he's improving. Anybody want to disagree? Left field, Brett Gardner. Entering what I think and should be, again, for me, everybody, just me, what should be Brett Gardner's final year, he gets one more swan song, or swan song, excuse me. Struggling with his bat last year, not hitting the best. He still is fast enough in his advanced age to get, say, 15 stolen bases, if he can get on base at all, that is. He's still providing some doubles, and actually, was the second had the second most triples among left fielders with seven in the entire major leagues. So if he can get the hit, put the ball in play, the ball can get down, he still has wheels to contend with. His fielding is still good as well, with a fielding percentage of .986 and 12th among left fielders for putouts. With Clint, with uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with Clint Frazier waiting for the left field job, and all indications point to that Clint Frazier is healthy, uh, Gardner may be forced out even if he wants to keep on. Honestly, I think Clint Frazier should be forced to, or, or excuse me, Aaron Boone should be forced to pull Brett Gardner out and find a way to get Clint Frazier's bat in the lineup. I think uh, the worst of his post-concussion syndromes are past him. We'll see when spring training starts. And hopefully Clint Frazier can be the heir apparent to the left field job with being backed up by Giancarlo Stanton, who's our everyday DH player. Uh, Up next, let's see here. Three more to go. Aaron Hicks, everybody. Center field. Ever since he was traded in 2016 from the Minnesota Twins, who I watched Aaron Hicks quite a bit, again, living in Minnesota, everybody. 
he got his shot at being a full-time player, and he surely has shown brightly, shined brightly. Shown? Shined? Uh, I guess it depends on how you want to say it. Last year was no exception to the rule for Hicks, who hit career highs in hits, home runs, RBIs, walks, and beat his career average in batting average, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, OPS, and war rating, as he seems to find his way at the plate. One of the best center fielders by fielding percentage, seventh among center fielders with a 9.94, and 14th in putouts, hitch speed, and some of his catches comes up with, or some of the catches he comes up with, rather, is pretty crazy to see and fun to watch. Right field, Aaron Judge. What can be said about Judge that hasn't been said about it? Right, everybody? What can be said that hasn't been said? He's an amazing power hitter and amazing to watch. Was he really able to recreate his breakout season? Did anybody expect that? He played 43 less games, so that also needs to be taken into account. For some people that say, oh, see, point, pointing and laughing and people saying that he was a fluke. Please get out of here with that. He played 43 less games. Give him a break. He still hits for average and hit close to 30 home runs. He had 27 last year, even though other power hitters have struggled as well. It happens. Aaron Judge was also hurt when he ended up with 16 among hits for right fielders. That is uh, 12th among RBIs with some sneaky speed as he has 15 steals in his career. He was also top five among right hitters in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and OPS. Defensively, as the biggest major leaguer ever at 6'7", 280, uh, 280 pounds, that is, with his 6'7 and 280-pound frame, you don't expect him to be the best fielder. Maybe that's why he plays right field. Maybe, well, he has some sneaky speed and he gives up body to, gives up his body rather to make the play that's needed. I mean, again, watching as many Yankee games as I can, being a diehard Yankee fan all, all my life, I watch him and man, just is he fast in right field. Some people say, ah, oh, you know, normally right fielders are not that fast. You know, they're in right field for a reason. You know, that old baseball joke, but Aaron Judge may be an exception to the rule. One more player, everybody. Lastly, our DH, Juan Carlos Stanton. Stanton struggled in his first year at New- in New York, got booed by-, booed by some even, but still finished with 38 home runs and 100 RBIs. Is anybody going to slouch at that? Going to scoff at that? Going to puff and puff and pout? Jeez, I-, I would hope not. I don't care who that is or what team that players playing for if those are the stats and the guys is player a rather versus then say having a name and just say player a has 38 home runs and 100 rbis are you gonna scoff at that even a bit whether it's the cincinnati reds or uh the florida marlins or the arizona diamondbacks pick a team it doesn't matter i I would hope that that wouldn't happen so with Juan carlos stanton it wasn't all bad Sorry, everybody, had to take a quick drink there. I mean, even though most of his stats are below what people expected, sure, okay, sure, I'll give you that. But being in his second season, I think that he'll settle in, bunker down, and be even better. He didn't qualify in right field or left field, which are the two positions that he can play in the field, as he DH'd for most of the year. So I don't have... Any fielding stats or defensive stats, rather, for you because he DH'd majority of the year, if not all of the year. I can't quite remember. All right, everybody, that is your spring training preview of the New York Yankees. I hope that that wasn't too long-winded for you. As I said, Taylor had to run, take care of some family stuff. No problem. I said I would finish us out. And we've reached the end of another edition of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode number 92. Don't forget, everybody, that you can contact us a multitude of ways. Skype in, everybody. Be a part of the show. Join the show. Be a guest host for a couple of minutes. Join Taylor and myself. Debate us if you would like. 
Talk about anything that you would like. Just let us know. You lead and we will follow. If you want to email us to contact us, that's okay too. Email me, Blodplonsky. Email me at BlakeGlobalDynasty at gmail.com. You can also email Taylor. Email him at TaylorGlobalDynasty at gmail.com. And we will respond on our next show live on the air to your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, or whatever your email may entail. Go to our Facebook. Give us a like on the Facebook. Help us grow Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio together. And lastly, but certainly not least, our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Global Dynasty STR. All the episodes that you could ever want, all under one place. All you got to do is go to soundcloud.com slash Global Dynasty STR. Our chronological episodes, our special editions. Honestly, I think at this point, it's hundreds of hours of audio, all at your fingertips, all for your listening pleasure. All you need is an internet connection. Whether you're walking down the street, on your commute to work, maybe you're in a traffic jam on your way to work. I apologize, but hey, that gives you more time to listen to us, Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. Whether you're working out, whether you're doing some household chores, or just, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Listen to Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, and we always appreciate all of our listeners. Every single one of you are important to us, because without you, it's just Taylor and I talking, and we know that you enjoy listening to the show, and we enjoy giving it to you each and every week. Share us with your family, your friends, someone that you just happen to pass on the street, someone that you may, you know, have a conversation at the gym, your co-workers, it does not matter. If they don't know about Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, then let them know. Say, this is a podcast I listen to, and you should listen to it too. All right, everybody, that does it for me. As I said, Taylor had to take off and get some family stuff taken care of, but we've reached the end of episode 92. Make sure to join myself, Blake Plonsky, and Taylor Johnson next week for episode 93. That's it for us. For Taylor Johnson, I'm Blake Plonsky, and we will see you next week for episode 93. And we are out. Peace. It didn't take too much